everybody. I'm Susan Finch. I am your host for All Volunteer, All Heart for Binky Patrol. And I am starting a series with some very special new connections I've met through the Mr. Ballin Foundation. We met on a group call and I knew then I need to interview every one of these people so we can learn more about the organizations that are near and dear to their hearts. And today I have Bev Warnock on and she is from an organization. You can shorten it. You better learn this URL, POMC.org, and it stands for Parents of Murdered Children. And you might think that's a small group. It's not. That's the worst part of this, is that the numbers are growing daily. Bev is the Executive Director. Welcome. I am so glad that you were able to come and join me today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Tell me, when you got started, I know people can read the stories and things on the website. I want you to tell me first what this need is, and then how did you come to be a part of it? Okay. Um, let me just give you a little bit of history about Parents of Murdered Children. It started in 1978 in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's where our office is located, our national office, but we are national. We have chapters all over the United States, um, about 42 chapters at this time. Some of them meet virtually, some of them meet in person once a month. So if anyone needs the organization, they can go to our website, which you just gave, pomc.org, has lots of information on there. It started in 1978 when a young 19-year-old Cincinnati woman went to Germany as a foreign exchange student. Her ex-boyfriend followed her and wanted her to get back. When she refused, he murdered her with a hammer and in September of 1978. The family got to fly to Germany to be with her for a couple of days, and then they had to let her go because she was in a coma and wasn't going to be able to function anymore. So he got 18 months in jail for a crime of passion. The parents returned home to Cincinnati and tried to function and was really having a difficult time. So a Catholic priest hooked him up with a couple of other parents, had a child murdered, and they met in her living room on a Saturday night. And it helped her so much to not feel alone, to understand they did the same things when it happened to them. And and just the feeling of knowing there's other people out there that are going through the same thing. It's a horrible, devastating thing to have to go through. But to know you're not alone and to know that there's support out there for you, it helps you to, to survive and to get through the most horrible thing that could happen to you. We do have a conference each year for families to attend. But yes, we have a conference each year. We have about 250 attendees, and uh, they also have the same comfort feeling that they're not alone, that there are other survivors out there that have the same pain, the same anger. They're also for all families, siblings, siblings, parents, of course, aunts, uncles, spouses, anyone that has had a homicide in their life is welcome to try join the support groups or come to the conference. Check our website out. We have different programs. We have a murder wall that travels to the conference that they could put their loved one's name on. And it's a way to honor them and memorialize their loved one. I mean, the support is so important, but you go beyond that. You also help people navigate the legal system because those are the people, I mean, that's the part that just needles at you the entire time. You're already dealing with all the emotion of this, but then you have to jump through hoops to have justice served, done, I, I don't know, to help through the process. Tell me a little bit about that legal process that you guys help with, why it's so important. Well, it is so important because most families that have a homicide in their life 
don't know anything about the justice system, have no clues. You know, it's not something you learn in school. You know, there's no classes in high school. Maybe in college, you might've took a class, but you're just kind of uh, totally ignorant to how the justice system works. And if it doesn't work well, then it's even more troubling for you. So we do support families by going to court with them, kind of helping them, showing them the, the way to go, telling them that this is normal to have a hearing or to have postponements after postponements, to how to do the victim impact statement, which is something they do at the end after they're convicted, to be prepared for the sentencing, to be prepared for all that. That is something that is so unknown to families and they're just totally lost. So it does help to have someone there. Not that we're total experts, but we can help them. We can support them. We have the experience, have been through trials. So we kind of know what to expect, what could be normal, what is not normal. We can prepare them. We can even prepare them for later down the road when they the murderer comes up for a parole hearing. That usually affects the families, puts them back to day one when it happens. And by having our parole block system, the program, it helps them to have some control over trying to be able to stop them from getting out. So that program is probably one of our most important, one of our most used programs that we have. And to clarify, when you opened with that story, that was an adult woman, but she's still somebody's child. Right. And so it does, people think about the tragic and horrible things we hear about babies and children and young kids, but our adult children are still always our children and the grieving is no different and probably longer because you've known them longer and you don't get over it because they grow up and you can't move through it and there's a good chance too that they were parents and they had children and so it's so many levels right that we have a lot of grandparents that are raising their grandchildren at an older age where that's the last thing they wanted to do, but yeah. you know, they need to do. Yeah. Most of, most of them, like you said, are not children. We're not talking about babies. Most of them are usually adults. I would say the age range from 19 to 25, probably the most popular age. And I, I have no reasons why domestic violence is a big cause these days of a lot of the murders. Um, and, and the young Cincinnati woman that was murdered, that was domestic violence. But at the time, we didn't have domestic violence back in 1978. So that's why he only got sentenced to a crime of passion, not domestic. Uh, today, he probably would have got at least 15 years to life. But back then, you know, times have changed, thank God. So it is recognizing domestic violence as a murder and the problems that it has. But yeah, these are not babies, you know, and there are some babies, uh, don't get me wrong, but yeah, it's more adult children. And and you're right. You never stop loving your children. You never stop caring about them. It's harder to understand why they were taken violently, why it's a little different than a, a death from a sickness or an accident or an overdose or however. You know, it's just a totally different situation because it's a different grief, we call it, because you don't understand the whys. You don't understand why someone took their lives. You don't understand the violent way that it was taken. It's just not a sickness that you have time to say goodbye. You don't have time to say goodbye when they're murdered because you get that phone call and that's all you get usually is that they're already gone. Right. So what brought you to parents of murdered children? Well, I started in 1993, worked at the very bottom and not because I had someone murdered, um, but because at the time I knew the executive director and she asked me to uh, work with her 
you know, we had a very small office at the time. So we kind of, I kind of, I should say, I kind of grew with the organization. Um, she had already been there for quite a few years. So she was the executive director and she was uh, right related to my sister. So she knew me. I guess she thought I would be a good fit. And she was right because I did stay for 30 years. So um, <laughs> I must have been a good fit. But, you know, about five or six years ago, the executive director left. So they asked me because I had been there so long to be the executive director and I agreed to do it. And, you know, after 30 years, you kind of know the organization in and out. Right. And I can't say that I regret it. It was a good decision for me to stay with the organization. I feel good when I help people. And I've had people say to me, you saved my life. Well, I know I didn't save their life. I know I'm not a doctor, but just by listening to them, that's all they want is someone to listen to them, someone to talk about their loved one, because so many families want them to, to, you know, get over it, go on, move on with your life. And they can't, they you can't. can't, it's like they're stuck. It just, it's just something they always need to talk about. Um, you know, if you've talked to someone that had a loved one murdered, it's probably the, the first thing they want to talk about. And, and most families will say, I don't want to hear it anymore. You know, I've heard about it for 10, 15 years. It is time to move on. And some of our people that come to a conference, it's been 25 years that they, and they still come, they still want to talk about their loved ones. So we kind of call it a PLMC family. It's like a family reunion at the conference because there are people that have come for a long time. And there's also new people that need, you know, the comfort of someone that's been there a long time to help them to know that they're going to survive. And the conference is a good example of seeing people that have, you know, had the murder 20 years ago and they're still surviving. They're functioning, they're moving, they're doing what they're supposed to do, but they still don't give up their loved one. They still want to talk about it. And it, that's true. I find that with friends too. And even with my own parents, it's been many, many years. But when that date comes around, I still remember. And that wasn't violent. That was age. That was heart attack. That was whatever it was. So with a violent, sudden, unexpected end, I have friends that have lost their children to illnesses, to cancer, to... And it, they've told me that one of the greatest gifts I give them is that I'll say, tell me a story about, I uh -huh. want to hear, you know, tell me one of those stories. Or if I knew them, you know, classmates I had that died from drunk driving or whatever it was, when I see their parents, I will, or I'll just email or text a quick memory. I was thinking about uh -huh. Mike today when I saw this, or I heard this song, because then they know that we haven't forgotten. Right. Right. And that's one of the most important things for these families is to know that their loved one is not forgotten. You know, there's still memories out there. People remember them. So the most important thing, like you said, is to tell them, you know, I thought about them today or I have this memory of them. That is what they need to hear. That's a healing process for them is to, you know, it's part of healing. Um, you know, going through grief is definitely a journey. It's uh, something that they need to heal from. And it takes a long time, especially when it's a murder because there's so many more facets. Like you said, the criminal justice system, there's a sickness. You don't have to go through the criminal justice system. You don't have to deal with the police. You don't have to deal with a prosecutor who's intimidating. I mean, you know, there's, it's very intimidating to have to deal with these types of people for these families to have to go through, but a memory of their, their loved one is a blessing for them. It is because we all want to, hopefully we all want to leave this world, leaving positive impact. And yes. when our children are taken, from us when we lose somebody we want to i mean you can make no sense of it with violent crime there is no sense it makes no sense 
So all you can hold on to is hearing that that child lives on through memories, through stories, through the impact they had on others. Uh And it's a, it's a really important thing. And I want to challenge everybody. I'm going to ask in a minute how people can help you, but I want to challenge everybody listening to this. If you know a friend who has lost a child of any age, they have not ever gotten over it. They will shut up about it because it is not received well because people don't want to hear it and deal with it because it's so sad and so horrible and they can never fix it and people want to fix things. Reach out. If you knew that child, tell that parent, tell that loved one left behind a great memory you had. I don't care if it's a song, if it's something mischievous that they got into, anything. And if you can really do it, ask them to tell you a story. You know, when I was thinking about you the other day, because I know you lost your child, don't think that they're not thinking about it. You're not going to bring up something they're not thinking about. They think about it all the time. Right. And say, can can you tell me a story, you know, like a favorite holiday with them or a birthday party or something goofy that they did? Mm-hmm. Let them live that with somebody that isn't tired of hearing of it, that right. allows them to express that. I really, I listeners, I am daring you challenging you urging you please take that time once a month to make a call to somebody that you know lost somebody or sit with them go in person do a zoom let them see your face that you are listening to them and you hear it remember to smile if you're in person because they need to know the most hurtful things for uh, say a mother because even their own husband doesn't grieve the same way. Everybody grieves different. And the husband may go back to work and just want to forget about it. He wants to get it off his mind and work hard. Well, how hard is that for the mother, the wife to see her husband like that and not be able to cry and have him be comforting? He's just stop. You need to stop crying. You can't stop crying. You know, it's very hard for couples to be able to grieve the same way. And we see that as a big problem with our families that's one of the big problems but like you said just to hear their name just to be able to talk to them is a wonderful thing for them to have so I love that you would challenge people to do that the other piece that you brought up too is just because the husband doesn't want to talk about it doesn't mean he's not grieving it's very very difficult for men for guys guys men's men like my husband when they can't fix it when they can't help when they can't change it and they watch you suffering my husband if he watches me it destroys him and he will shut off go quiet and hide out if he can't fix it he will try when he's you know when he can do it but at a certain point it kills him to not be able to comfort me and let alone deal with his own grief and sadness I've heard that from many husbands, Uh, you know, of course they're grieving too, and they don't know how to do it. That's not something you're taught either, you know, just like with the justice system, they're grieving, they're in so much pain because they see their wife grieving. So, you know, he said, my wife cries every night and I don't know how to help her. He can't help her. He can only let her cry and comfort her, you know, or, or if there's siblings, siblings will tell us too, that, you know, they lost their parents when their sibling was murdered because their parents some stop functioning, some yeah. stop functioning as parents. 
they no longer, you know, they memorialize the one that was murdered, not the other children. You know, I've had a sibling say to me that I'm alive. Why don't they want to love me? And it's not that they don't. It's just that all they can think about is the murdered loved one. And it's just very hard for siblings to understand what parents go through and they watch it and they see their parents do what they do, but it's hurtful to them. So we always try to stress, do workshop at our conferences. You have other children that you have to still function for. You can't, and and many of our parents will stop functioning. And, uh, you know, it's very hard to watch that happen. And it's important too, for parents to allow their other children to see them grieve Mm -hmm. because this is how we can teach our kids how to grieve and I'm grieving. Okay. And now I'm going to take a break from that. And now let's go do something. Right. They they need to see that sometimes you just need to give it that space, you know, block the time, whatever it is. I watch on that show shrinking the (laughs) daughter lost her you know, mom and she allows herself like a good cry for three minutes, sets the timer, gets it out, tells mom, talk to you later and then moves on to something else. And I'm not saying that's the answer, but it's one coping thing to acknowledge the grief, to sit in it, to let it wash through you, and then to put it aside for a little bit to keep going. And that's a good thing. We could get people to do that. That's that's a hard, you know, it's almost like a lesson to learn. And it's a very hard one to learn that, you know, yes, you can still grieve, but grieve and then then do something good for yourself and we always try to talk them and do something good for yourself whatever it is whatever you like um, just do it just you know keep doing it so you can so you can start healing right well we're at the part in the show let's talk about how people can help you can they help you from anywhere oh sure yes they can help like i said we're a national organization we've had We've ha- actually had people from out of the country come to our conferences. So you know, we don't have any chapters out of the country. It, it's too difficult right. um, to do. But yes, we welcomed a, a support group from Canada to be with us at our conference. We've had people from Scotland come, Japan. So yeah, a- anywhere, anywhere in the United States or out of the country. You know, I think that the best things that they can help us with is being aware of how hard it is, how they're grieving, you know, if, and like you challenge them to talk about their loved one. And of course, there's always the other way. How, you know, if, if you want to donate, maybe donate it and say, I want to help someone get to the conference. Someone that's had a, lo- a loved one murdered recently, I would like to sponsor them to go to the conference. And that way that'll give them the first step of maybe learning coping skills, learning other things that may need to know, um, you know, how to deal with this, how to, how to start the healing of grief. You know, any money donations, of course, would be helpful for some, you know, and if they want to specify not for the organization, but to help a family, we're happy to do that. We want people to come to the conference and get the help that they need. Fantastic. So everybody go to POMC.org. You can learn more about the organization, see ways to help and get a lot of resources there too. And maybe, you know, somebody that could benefit from discovering Mm -hmm. this organization if they don't already know it to be a part of it and to start through their healing process, which is a lifetime, but at least they will have people to walk on the journey with them. Right. It's actually interesting. Every time we go to a conference to a different hotel, there's always somebody at the hotel that has had someone murdered. It seems like every time we do any event, 
there's always somebody there that had no idea about parents who murder children. So the most important thing, like you said, is just get the word out, you know, talk to people. You know, we try to get the word. It helps now with um, technology, with the internet and, and everything to get the word out, but it's still probably lacking in getting it out to everyone that needs it. Some people say, I never heard of you. I didn't know you existed. And it's been, you know, five years since their murder happened. So they could have found out about it at the beginning. When it first happens, it probably would have been more helpful to them to start healing a little sooner, to be able to cope with it, you know, and things like that. Sometimes too, these families might be hesitant. It's like, yeah, 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 I'm not gonna get a hold of this organization. Help walk them through it with love, folks, some patience. Mm -hmm. Help connect and guide them and encourage them that the healing can start sooner, that they can get resources to navigate this entire new life they're about to embark on not by their choice. Sometimes it's scary for them to, to even attend our conference because they're going to be traveling to maybe cross country or whatever and to a place where they, they don't know a soul. It, our conference is not a happy place, you know, but it is filled with love. There's lots of love, lots of comfort. They'll get a lot of hugs. By the time they leave, they'll feel like they met everybody and know everybody there. It's just the way it is. I've never seen so much love with people that are strangers. You know, they they bond. It's a really a bonding experience because they've got the same thing, the same anger, the same pain, or they've been through it and have moved, you know, through it and are a little further down the road. So they know what it's like for the new attendees that are coming to the conference and they can help them because they understand. Yeah. Bev, thank you so much for being my guest today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. I, I really am honored. It's always good to be able to get the word out to families. Terrific. Remember again, pomc.org. You can catch this in all of our episodes and upcoming interviews with more people I have met through the Mr. Ballin Foundation at binkypatrol.show in all your favorite podcast apps. Look for All Volunteer, All Heart from Binky Patrol. This podcast is sponsored by Impact for Good at impact4good.com. Impact for Good is the one source for bringing community service to your next event. Excited and engaging team-building activities are just part of what they offer. Let them identify the best cause or beneficiary to support, manage the donation logistics, and bring the spirit of community service to your group. From your initial request through the day of your event, Impact for Good handles all the details. Be sure to visit them at impact4good.com. That's impact for good.